we were perceived as a family that lived in one of the most disadvantaged areas in Birmingham. You've got to, as a, as a leader, say, I'm going to take some things away. I've, I've, some things have got to go. Teachers do not check their work accurately. School leaders do not have the necessary skills. The school is not keeping pupils safe at all times. We're joined today by Sonia Thompson and Tracy Adams, leaders of a Birmingham research school and successful authors. Sometimes in education, people have something that works really well in their classroom. And for whatever reason, they decide to keep it in their classroom and not share it with everybody else in their school. And I always wondered why people did that. And there are, there are loads of reasons. Is that something you experienced at schools that you've worked in? Mm. Um, definitely. I, and for me, I think it is a little bit about the culture of the school. Okay. If you're in a school where it is kind of your classroom and you kind of close the door and it's, there's not a sharing kind of feel there, I think teachers do, you know, begin to then feel that, oh, A, nobody's interested in what I've got to share, but B, it's just not what we do in our mm. space so um yeah definitely i've probably done it done it myself because i've been in that type of school so um yeah i think it's something that's, that's done quite a lot and then now at st matthews that doesn't sound like that's the culture what do you think tracy I think at um, St Matthews, I think we've really thought about how we professionally develop our teachers. And I think part of the process is definitely giving them an opportunity to share. Mm -hmm. So at the, most, at the end of most of our um, PDs, we're always talking about actually let's agree a goal something that we're all going to work to and then give them time when we come back to the next section to actually share and be really proud and show off what they've done mm. and tell us what some of the good things that have happened and actually what are some of the pitfalls around mm. and mm. what they've done so that actually we can all get better in that um, kind of trajectory together and improve together. So I think it's a really important part of what we do now, definitely. But as Sonia said, definitely in the past, you just kind of feel, oh, I'm in my little corner. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even want anybody to see, to be fair, because I'm not sure if it's any good. But I think if you build that into your development and how you work together as a team, it can be really collaborative. Yeah. I love how, like straight off the bat, you refer to what I would call staff meetings as mm. PD. Mm. Like this, is, this isn't a meeting of our staff. This is some mm. professional development where we are gonna enhance each yeah, other absolutely. or somebody will come and enhance us and develop us. And then you have a goal at the end of it. So um, I'm a governor at the school that my son will go to. He'll go to, a, he's at an infant school at the moment, he'll go to a junior school. And we've been talking about maths and science mm -hmm. there. And they're telling me their targets and the, and the key things they're working mm -hmm. on at the moment. And it sounds like for your staff at the end of each, uh, each staff meeting, you have a goal that everybody's working on together. Mm -hmm. And I also love how you're happy to share the things that don't work. Mm, when definitely. I do some of the, the mass mm. training I do, I love for people to come back and tell me, Liam, you said have a go at this and it hasn't worked for yes, me. Yes, I yes, like that. Because yeah, like yeah, not everything, well, we'll talk about Dylan William later, but <laughs> not everything is going to work everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. That's, and I that's think mistakes are a part of the process. Yeah. We, t we say that to children, don't we? That making mistakes is a part of the process. Mm. And actually, we can you can learn a lot from sharing that actually mm. it didn't go well and then unpicking why it didn't go mm. well and what you can do better. So. so you develop the culture at St Matthews of sharing within your staff. Do you yeah. share outside your school as well? 
We became, actually, we, we became a teaching school in 2014, um, before teaching hubs were around. And I think, A, we're a church school, so there is a little bit of kind of servant leadership about, about, about the way that we work. And I just, I just think our profession is, is, is complex, it's challenging, and I think if you have an opportunity to share and support other schools or whatever stage they're at, because we have people who contact us at whatever stage they're at. It is about making time, being open, being honest about um, the things that they're asking you to support them with, because, you know, I, I, I'm always about context mm. um, and what works at our school. It is about how do you implement that at your school? Mm. Um, we became a talk for writing training centre. So again, we've had lots of opportunities to support teachers with writing. Um, and we became a research school in 2019. So again, we are constantly working with other schools, um, disseminating that kind of evidence-informed practice. So I think it's just in us to, yeah, as a school. And we're, school. we're a tiny school. You know, we're a one-form entry school. We've got <laughs> seven classes but we, 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 we feel that we're, we're small and mighty mm. and mighty not in an arrogant sense, but mighty in the sense that actually we do, we do want to support other schools. We do want to help. We do see the challenges. We do see the pitfalls and we'd, we'd like to help whoever, whoever needs our help yeah. um, with just, just working on that and, and, and hopefully improving. Yeah. I like that small and mighty. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> feels like a really nice place to, <laughs> to come from. Yeah. When researching you, I, I thought it was really interesting. I heard a lovely story about Tracy lining her bears up on the stairs, <laughs> taking a register as a child and always wanting to be a teacher. But Sonia, you didn't want to be a teacher. Was that because you hadn't enjoyed the experience of school yourself? A little bit of that. Um, I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit indecisive um, and I've always been indecisive it's, it's strange I've got a strange mix of indecisiveness and decisiveness but I think I kind of air to indecisive and growing up I, I didn't quite pin down what I wanted to do um, I've gone through phases of things that I wanted to do and wanted to be um, so I think I started off as a writer um, then I moved into engineering and to the point where I actually did this new course um, and I was the only girl with 39 other boys wow. studying to be an engineer. And then when I finished that programme at the end of secondary school, I said, I don't want to be an engineer. <laughs> so I, I did journalism. I actually took a journalism course and had applied to go to university to do study journalism and then oh, I don't want to do that anymore <laughs> do I want to do all oh, right I want to do law now so then I kind of pursued law left university applied to the college of law in London and then I realized that actually I've come out of university I'm broke um, <laughs> and I and I saw a really good program um, that would employ you for two years so you'd get paid the first year you'd work in schools yep. and the second year you do your PGCE and all I saw was you would get paid <laughs> so I thought yeah I could do that I could be a teacher <laughs> do, do you know that's so funny because on one of the other podcasts we spoke to a, a gentleman called Tony Ryan 
And now he was working as a mechanic mm. and he didn't especially want to be a teacher. Yeah. And he said he was getting the tube one day home in London and he saw an advert in a paper and it said, get paid to train. <laughs> and he thought, oh, yeah. get, get paid. Get you, paid. Okay, okay, I'll ring that. I can do that. And he went on and he was yeah. the head teacher of wow. two schools. He's now the CEO yeah. of Design yeah. and Technology Association. Yeah. So, yeah, it was funny meant that. to be. It's yeah, it was to meant be. to be. It was meant to be. When um, researching you, I've heard you talk about children from disadvantaged backgrounds mm. sometimes being deficit. Yeah. Did you feel that applied to you growing up? Absolutely. Mm, I think um, mm. we're, we're, we, we're actually sisters and um, we, we're actually two of ten. Okay. So in, in Birmingham, the area where we grew up is a very disadvantaged area. Yeah. And I think that the, the, there's a perception of a p, children from big families, mm -hmm. and there's a perception of black children, mm -hmm. and there's a perception of the f type of family support that you'd get. But actually, we 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 have come we've come from a family where education was was the top thing, was the, yeah. was, the mm -hmm. was the total thing that. Our parents said, you, you've got to focus in on that. I find that really interesting that you had a home life where education was the most important thing and you felt mm. really supported and valued. And then you got to school and was it so it was the opposite. You, there was a preconception. These children aren't going to attain. They're not. They're not going no, to. They're not, no, they're not going and to you also well. encountered racism. You encountered yeah, yeah. it. You had, to, you yeah, had it yeah. full force. I'll never forget being in a... Um, a science lesson and um, saying about where, where black people come from, monkeys and the te the science teacher actually said that in the lesson. And we were like, the, the few of us that were there because we'd gone outside of our area to go to that school because my mum wanted to, felt it would be a better school. We were just like, whoa, you're going to say that? And we're sitting here and mm. people just being sent out of class literally because of their, the colour of their skin. So we actually, we saw it, we felt it. Um, but I think our parents, again, instilled a confidence in us mm. not to just, not to let it take you over or not to let that bring you down, but still keep pushing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Did, did you know that that was racism at the time? I think we knew that it, we wasn't, knew, right. Yeah, it wasn't right. Um, yeah. I, I, I remember an incident in a school where um, the teacher said it was okay to use the N word. And it was really interesting because we the, we had a sixth form centre attached and there was a really popular white student and he just happened to walk in the room at the time and the teacher said to him, it's all right, isn't it? And he, and he was so straight-faced and he said, no, no, it isn't. Mm. No, it isn't. And it really, it, it, it was really, it really affected me that he, you know, in that moment kind of mm. stood, stood his ground mm. And we, we knew, but it was great to have an ally in the space. Mm. You know, he was a sixth former, you know, so, you know, it, and that was really powerful to feel that when we knew it wasn't right. And there were other people who other knew people that that wasn't know, right yeah. as well, gosh, mm. and not, not adults, mm. but, but students. So I think, you know, we, we kind of knew, but you didn't kind of have the voice to it. Because we, you know, if you're not that type, oh, I'm standing up for. It. Mm. We 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 were we weren't we that, that type necessarily yeah. because yeah. we we weren't we we weren't brought up like that. Mm. But you you knew, you knew you felt it mm. and you knew. Yeah, you so it was great, it. Yeah. That, you know, to have the allies to speak up about it. Mm. And, 
you know, it kind of like, yeah, yeah. God. I, I like that that boy, something I say to my children all the time is, I want you to do the right thing. Yeah. Even mm. when everybody else yeah. is doing the wrong thing. And I like that he, yeah, he, was, he, he gave was, you he that great. confidence. And he was one of the most popular yeah. boys in the school. And, you know, I kind of, wow. <laughs> he was even more popular in my eyes. It was amazing. Do you feel then um, that you had to battle when you were children? And has that encouraged you to battle for children yeah, now to give them yeah, opportunities? definitely. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. this idea that just because you happen by birth to be born in an area of disadvantage... I, I always say you're not we're not deficit. We've mm. never been deficit. Um and and there there are perceptions of children who come from these types of areas that oh, they won't amount to anything. They're not that good. We don't need to. And we, we have adults who come into the mm. spaces in disadvantaged schools and they're not then they're they're not there to challenge the children to be the very best that they can be. Mm. And that is just not what I'm about mm. at all. If you come into the space, you 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 got to, you've got to work mm. to make sure that those children achieve because they are just as good as anybody else and mm. they deserve the best. They deserve it. And that's yeah. who you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, we're looking for those people. Um, I always say that people kind of have to. You have to find your school, mm. and sometimes if it's not your school, then sometimes if you can't see that this is the culture and this is what we're passionate about and this is what drives us, then you have to find the right place for you. Mm. I know early on in my career, I used to go, I used to go from school to, I used to say two years at a place because I thought, gosh, they're not serious here. God, I want to find a school where everybody's serious about mm -hmm. really making a difference for children. And since I've got to St. Matthews, I've been here for 11 years because it is a culture where we're serious about, this is a child's one chance in reception, one chance in year one. Mm -hmm. We've got to make it the best that it can be because, again, if we go back to this idea of who we're serving in our areas, mm -hmm. you know, they already have that challenge of their skin colour being a challenge when mm -hmm. they're going to go out further and into the wider world and we've got to set it up right for them. That Actually, they've got a real confidence. They see themselves as judges, as lawyers, as teachers or whatever they want to be and they really see that mm -hmm. and then they can then become passionate about learning the knowledge and truly our children are, I would say, mm -hmm. they... They're really passionate about yeah. learning and yeah. thriving. We are small and we are mighty. We is are it, small, is yeah. there a, the Caribbean saying, is it Talawa? Talawa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, little bit Talawa. We love that. Little yeah. bit Talawa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'd just like to come on to backpacks. So there's two parts to this question. I'd love to know what was in your backpacks when you went to school. And then secondly, how you enable your staff to unpack mm. children's backpacks. I think the idea of back backpacks, um, if I can just put a little context to it, it came out of the work that um, I did when I was an English consultant and we were looking at um, teachers as readers and being a reading teacher and, a, and, a, and, a, and empowering children um, to share their reading, not only in school but also from home and breaking that perception that children from areas of disadvantage don't read at home, mm. um, empowering teachers to understand that 
read the reading that we do is not just about a thick book, but mm-hmm. also about the labels and the um, boxes and the cereal boxes and the sign that you that you walk past, and and even the game that you play, the reading that you have to do to get to the next level. And one of the things that we did as part of that was look at the work of Louis Mal, and Louis Mal is a as a South American um, researcher, and he talks about the fact he he was um, researching in rural communities where children were coming from um, farm. They were farmers' children, and they were measuring and understanding the seasonal cycle, so you could grow crops. And they were, uh, you know, packing and. The, had so many skills, mm-hmm. yet, when they, yet when they went to school, they were perceived as having nothing, bringing nothing to the table, having no cultural capital. Mm. And I think we use that word a lot. Um, but I, 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 after work, thinking about Louis Moll's work, and it, it came from a lot of um, the work that I was doing with Theresa Kremlin at the time, children have existing capital. Mm-hmm. And they bring that existing capital to school. And I think for me, my existing capital was that I was a reader. Mm-hmm. And we we read, we were, we were encouraged to go to the library. Mm-hmm. I remember going to the library. I remember going to the library with my five other brothers and sisters. I remember taking out books, loving books, loving writing. I remember my mom telling me that my primary school teacher, my nursery teacher said, Sonia needs to get outside a little bit more at nursery. All she does is sit in the corner and read and write. And I remember <laughs> my mom telling me that. Um, I remember being somebody who knew the Bible because we were a, a family that, you know, we went to church mm-hmm. and every day. And <laughs> we knew the Bible stories. And I remember if any if any teacher had ever asked me, I could recite inside those stories mm-hmm. inside out. So we had existing capital, but no one ever asked us to to talk about that mm-hmm. because we were perceived as the big family because there was one there was a Thompson in every year group at mm-hmm. secondary school so it's so all the Thompsons we were perceived as fa- a family that lived in one of the most disadvantaged areas mm-hmm. in Birmingham um, so that that was that was what people thought of us but mm. actually we brought a lot to the table mm. we brought a lot to the table so for me it's it's recognizing that that Children have a back. Every mm. child has something. Mm. Um, it, it might not always be positive things. And I think, you know, of course, you've always got to be careful. But they're, whatever they're doing at home that is working for them, it's about making time to share that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's really important. I remember doing guided reading sessions with my class, mm. year one. And I would always, we did a carousel of activities. Mm. Um, and when they worked with me, we would, we'd have a book and we'd, we'd have a look at a book. But that first session, I'd generally just ask them about, who do you live with? Mm. And I just wanted to know a little bit about yeah. that. It was a lovely just time a for me just to learn a little bit about yeah. them. And thinking back, I should have done lots more about mm. their cultural capital mm. and getting to know them. Mm. And I could have inputted that into our lesson, into our learning. What do you do, Tracy, at, at St. Matthew's to, to unpack backpacks? Mm. Well, um, what we do is that we use, um, we have like an 
our curriculum where we have opportunities to share about our lives, our families, our future, our passions. And um, at the start of most of our units, we always then, as the teacher, open up our backpack and actually share. So if it was something around the passions, like for me in my backpack, no one ever asked me and never knew that I sung. And I actually was, I was winning singing competi competitions at the age of nine, 10 and 11, going around the country and winning and beating people and, you know, singing, but no one ever asked me about that mm -hmm. because we went to church. We were great orators. We could speak, we could read, we were confident, mm. but nobody ever opens that up. So it's great to share. Even the fact that you're from 10, I never forget sharing that in year six. And a couple of children said, we're, we're from 10. And then it just ignites <laughs> lots of conversation and lots of talk. You show them your house, you show them where you live. If you've got um, animals and they begin to share mm. and they share about their passions. And mm. I think what's really brilliant about it is it's a way of connecting isn't it it's a way of connecting it's belonging yeah as well. belonging connecting mm. even if um, um gosh i did a PS, pshe session just a couple of days ago we were talking about different family types mm. and i mentioned that i'm from a single parent i'm a, you know i'm a single parent mm. and then the boy who at the at the time when we started to share didn't want to share all of a sudden sat up and said i'm from a single parent family mm. and it was like yeah it's okay there's a couple of us mm. there's a range of different families in this room and it's fine. And it was, it's, it's, it's connection, relationships, belonging. It just you opens up. Yeah. You're safe. You're yeah. safe. Yeah. You're and what you say matters. Yeah. What you say yeah, what matters. You say matters. Your backpack yeah. is important because mm. it's you. It's, it, it, it's what you're about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's really important um, to make time to find out. I just want to hear a little bit more about your curriculum there because I feel like in early years, we give a, a little bit of time to. Mm learning about ourselves and especially at the start of the year when we're thinking about baseline and that type of thing we'll find out about the children in our in our care because it's so important in our early years framework to follow our children's mm -hmm. interests mm -hmm. uh, the amount of times i talk to people and say if your children like dinosaurs let's count with dinosaurs mm -hmm. if they like fairy gardens let's count fairies in the garden you know mm -hmm. let's just follow their interests but then i worry at year one to year six we're, well, we're on the national curriculum now mm. and we need to do, we've got geography, we've got history, we've got science, we've got to yeah. fit these things in. Mm. And none of these, these things are going to relate exactly to those children. Mm. So how in Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2 do you, how does our curriculum fit in? We use it every half term. So there's one, there's a theme for every half term. Mm -hmm. And it's um, an opportunity for the teacher to share, for the children to share. So we have um, our lives, our families, our community, um, our passion, our global village, um, our future. And what's the last one, Sonia? Um, our world. Our world, perfect. And yeah. is this an hour a week or is this threaded throughout? It's it, kind of an overarching theme, theme that yeah. we use to kind yeah. of drive forward um, as a starting place for our curriculum. And one of the things that we do is we, um, every half term, we always have a parent to school day. Mm -hmm. And on that day is the normally the day when we really celebrate that hour. And then mm. the parents are actually in the room. Mm. So when we're talking about our community, they can actually talk about their community. When we're talking about our world, wherever they're from, they can then share and support their children to explore that and bring it out. So we've really, it's kind of embedded in everything yeah, we do. Yeah. It's like that yeah. running thread it's across the whole of the curriculum that yeah. all of us as subject leaders think about. That sounds really powerful, especially yeah. having the parents in. Sometimes we have topic-based curriculums and we're thinking about history this term and it's mm. the Romans and everything's linked mm. to the Romans. But yours sounds like a PSHCE-based curriculum where it starts with us 
and comes us as in the community and the children and, and, and leads and, from there. And I think I, I think I would say that we're quite a we're quite a knowledge rich mm. school. We're, mm. we're kind of well known for our knowledge rich drive. But I think you can do both. I think you can, and I think even 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 our our, our curriculum will will stand alone because it's that important. Mm -hmm. And then we we'll, we will do it, and then we will link it back to what we're what we're what else would the other things that we're teaching. But we, do, we 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 know that across our school that is our theme. So when we do assemblies, we talk about it. When we do singing assembly, Somebody's you'll mention it. Um, teachers will talk about it all the time mm -hmm. um, and understand that if, if for this half term it's our lives, our families, wherever there are links, um, and it does have to be a, you know a, a good link, then we'll bring that in. Mm -hmm. So it is about just weaving it in and just making it part of the fabric of your school, mm -hmm. um, so that children understand that you know that that backpack is important. Um, and there's always opportunities then to talk about yourself and um, and be confident that that, mm. that type of sharing is, is who you are, mm. is about you, um, and about you belonging in the, in the community, in the space of St Matthews. Yeah. And yeah. when you're finding out about the children and un unpacking backpacks, mm. are you ever surprised? Is there ever something where you thought... I would have never thought that about mm. that child or that family. Similar to if somebody had unpacked your backpacks with the reading mm. and the singing, like they, that, that would have surprised mm. people. I think we're always surprised. Mm. I think I think our families do much more than we think they're doing. Yeah. Um, I I remember being in, in a school when I when I we did the original research, and I can never say the name. Dostoevsky. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a family that we and we actually went to their house and the parents that 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 book was on their bookshelf really and and they were in the heart of Ladywood one of the toughest areas in in Birmingham but they were readers they were readers mm. um and they were readers of classical literature mm -hmm. living in lots of flats that were terrible mm. And you, you won't ever know anything about that if you don't take time to find out. Mm -hmm. um, our children, our, our, some of our families take our children to book festivals. They're aspirational. Mm. Some of our families, we found out that in Somalia, they're actually doctors and teachers, mm. but they can't work in those professions here. Mm. But they are aspirational for their mm. children and they might be living in Nietzsche's. And Nietzsche's is a tough, tough area. Mm. One of the toughest areas in Britain. Um, we've got two, two, two student doctors who are on placement, and one of the doctors said to me, "Your school is just feels so different from Nietzsche's." She said, "Because I did, I did a placement in Nietzsche's, and all the guards, there was lots mm. of stabbings." She said, "Lots of stabbings." So I said, "Yeah, that's what we're trying to really work, work to to achieve." And I'm glad you you've got a sense of that because mm. we want we want the children to be. To be aspirational, she says, "Yeah, I get, I get that, I get mm. that." And you, when you're working in in Nietzsche, you 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 forget that mm. sometimes, just how tough it is. Mm -hmm. um, you do you do forget, but but it, it is a challenge. But there's parents who they want the best, they do want the best for their children. Do you feel like the community appreciates you? I can imagine you both being seen around Nietzsche's mm -hmm. and the younger generation remembering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you, you, you get that a lot. And, yeah, yeah, you get that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, maybe they're giving off a certain attitude because they're walking yeah, around yeah, neutrals and they you've got to give yeah, off that yeah, attitude. But yeah. when they see you, that breaks yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah you, get, yeah. you get, that get that all the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. the community really, we've mm-hmm. developed a really wonderful relationship yeah. with them. And mm-hmm. over the time, over time, I think they've really come to... Um, kind of get on board with the fact and really I see us really working together mm. to really support what would your advice be for other schools who want to foster that relationship what, what are there two top tips that you can give get on that gate get on that get gate on that and gate. I think I think yeah, I think senior leaders know that, that. they know yeah. they know mm. that I think yeah. um people know that mm. but I think when, when when parents come into your into the space they've got to know that there's some reciprocity there that it's not about we are the, in charge. We have the brains. Mm. You have nothing. You have to listen to us. It's about a two-way sharing. And we've, you've got to find that place where parents feel as if that space is their space mm, as well. well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not, not this place where they've got to, you know, there's people in there who don't appreciate who, who mm. I am. Mm. No matter what I do. Because I'm not saying, you know, whatever they do, we've got to appreciate whatever they do mm. um, and we've got to work with that. Um, I think you've got to open your school out. You do have to open the doors yeah, to your school. Hence why we do Parents to School Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do it every half term. Parents can come, they can stay, um, they can have lunch, they can be in the classrooms watching the teachers teach. And I think there, there was, I think lockdown provided this level of appreciation of teachers and if we if we don't really harness that, we will lose that because mm. parents don't don't necessarily know what we do, mm. and I think they appreciate. God, is that what you lot do? Teach them to do this and that and the other. And I think they appreciate that. And so when they do come into schools and they see how we manage thirty children, mm. how their child who at home is a nightmare, mm-hmm. we with twenty nine others can get them to focus and work and improve and move forward. Mm. I think they appreciate that. So I think you do have to open your doors and often schools find that a challenge Mm -hmm. for various reasons, you know, some some valid reasons as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But you've got to kind of take that step because we know, we know the research does tell us that... um, The better the relationship. The better the the relationship, the better the outcomes for the Mm -hmm. children, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think it needs strong communication. You yeah. do, they do want to know about the smallest of things. Yeah. They want to know which visitors are coming in. They want to know about what you're um, what you're teaching in the classroom. They mm. want to they want to know those things. So really communicating with them mm. and sharing the joy of the learning. I think. And just getting really mm. technical then on communication is that a weekly newsletter that's printed out given to every child. Mm. Is that Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? How do you communicate? We're not necessarily we're not a Twitter or a Facebook type school, yeah. but we do we do weekly newsletters. newsletters. Bulletins, we yeah. tell our parents who the visitors are, mm-hmm. um, so that when their child comes back and home and starts mm-hmm. talking about oh we had the opera singers in this week, mm-hmm. um, they're like oh yeah we, we yeah we knew we knew <laughs> we knew they were coming in. Um, so and our parents have told us that they've told us you don't t- you didn't tell us who was coming in. Mm-hmm. So when you had the tallest black basketball player in the world coming into your school I we didn't even know uh-huh. so and my child came home and said this seven foot man was in the building and and, and they were like so we we they told us oh, that so I think you, you you've got to you've got to ask parents mm. on, uh, continuously mm. 
what is the best way to communicate text messages our parents love text messages we had to close the school yesterday because there was a burst water main um so at seven we they, and we, we had a parent send us an email to say your communication was on point oh, yesterday nice. <laughs> yeah she was and even i saw her today and she was like gosh credit where credit's you and she's one of our toughest parents yes do your children see you as role models I would hope so. I'd like to think yeah, so. I'd like, yeah. to think yeah, I'd like to think they do. And you yeah. feel like they can uh, they can aspire to be like you because yeah. they're not having the experience you had. That there's no racism, mm. there's mm. no judging, mm. there's just an opportunity for everybody. And I imagine you promote that yeah. all of the time. I do think it's a bit of a it's a false economy though in our <laughs> school, because of course the world doesn't necessarily look like mm. our school. It's a microcosm of happy, clappy people who yeah. are successful. Um, that's not necessarily the experience on the outside world. Yeah. But I think in the same way that we had a level of confidence to, to, to tackle the, you know, to tackle that, mm. I think it's about instilling in our children that that level of empathy, because that, that's really important, that le- level of empathy, that level of understanding that actually empathy is about action. Mm. So we've got we've we've got to not just see and ignore, but we've got to action things. And I think it, it, it's 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 important that we just create children that are uh, uh, empathetic and aware of others, um, and and are aware that there is a need to challenge the things that are mm. going on in the world. Um, and I think it's that that we're trying to develop. You, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to face things. You're going to face challenges. This this St Matthews isn't the world, mm. but hopefully it's a world where you can you can grow, you can develop, you can be aspirational, and hopefully you can mm. give something back mm. um, in terms of what you bring. Have you faced those challenges? So you you said you taught in kind of middle class areas mm. and in London, other places, mm. and you experienced racism as children. Yeah. Did you experience racism when you were applying for jobs, do you think? I don't necessarily know, really? yeah, because... And what, maybe it's subconscious racism? Sub- yeah, maybe maybe it's unconscious, you know, biases along the yeah. way. Um, and, of course, people say things, you know, like, oh, that's an interesting <laughs> thing to say to a black woman. You probably... probably I, was thinking, I was thinking back to when we... Um, when, when it was... Um, you and Paulette and um, used to have another lady with you. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah. She was, was, was a white yeah. lady and that people would come to, like, meetings and they'd start talking to her. And oh, actually, okay. yeah, the two yeah, ladies yeah. were the head and the deputy and they'd yeah. start talking to uh, the uh, assistant head. Uh, and we were probably the first mm, black first, head and deputy first, in Birmingham. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, and, she, and the lady was our assistant head. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was interesting. Gosh, you don't, I didn't, I didn't even... Think of think mm. of that, but actually that happens a lot. Happened a lot, mm. a lot, because we're, we're not we're not necessarily in those roles. Yeah, mm. when you go to schools, and even because we train so far and wide mm-hmm. as part of the EEF with what we do, um, you we encounter lots of schools, and this is not the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this our is school not, isn't the norm. Yeah, even in terms of the teacher makeup, and um, you know, it's just not the norm. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it. I think it is sometimes when people do come in, they're like, oh. Okay, mm. and it's almost like you, we almost have to prove ourselves that mm. actually what we say we actually do, and then mm. it's like you can see the kind of turn in some people as mm. if to say, "Oh, okay, mm. they are able to do what they do." But um, I don't think it's blatant. There, there will be teachers who are moving schools or have just moved schools who are listening to this or watching this and want to take 
positive experiences from a previous school to mm. a new school. Mm. Now, I, I wanted to ask you about this specifically because I know, Sonia, you were involved with an inadequate school mm. some yeah, years we ago. Were. And how do you go into a new school mm. and not say, at my last school, we did this, and yeah. at my last school, we did that? Because <laughs> often that isn't yeah, received yeah, well, yeah, yeah. is it? No, it isn't. So no, what, it isn't. Uh, how, how did you approach um, that? Oh, tried not to say that. That's what we tried mm. not to say. Because um, just to give some context to this, yeah. so the, I, I've read the, the Ofsted report and I felt if I was a parent of a child at that school, mm. like that would have hit me really hard. I'll mm. just tell you a few things. So pupils are not making enough progress because teachers do not check their work mm. accurately mm. or give them tasks that are well-matched to their abilities. School leaders do not have the necessary skills to identify weaknesses in teaching in order to raise the standard of attainment or improve mm. pupils' progress. And then finally, the school is not keeping pupils safe at all times. Mm. So mm. that... Imagine reading that and thinking, yeah, right, yeah. where do I start? Yeah, yeah. What was your approach? I think we wanted staff to be aware of the responsibilities that they had of being a teacher in charge of children's futures. And I think it's important that it's not about pe us as people. We're important within the space, but our... our, our the most important people are the children. Mm. And if we're not doing the best for the children, then we're not, we're not doing our jobs. Mm. And I think that, that message, along with getting that school to understand that you have a cult, you, you have a cult, you've got, you've got some mottos, you've got some oh, vision. visions, mm. yet no, you must have done those, had those for a reason, mm. yet, you're not living them out. Surely that can't be right. Mm. So we took them back to those that vision, vision those their yeah. vision, their culture, and and, and I think you know it, it, we took them back to the why. Why is it important that we live out the vision for the most important people in in our spaces, mm. who are the children? They've only got one chance, and if we don't make sure that that chance is worthy of who we are as the adults educated people mm. coming into a space coming into a work it's a two-way thing you know with work you give and you receive and if mm. you're not giving but you're receiving then you're not doing your job mm -hmm. you're not doing your job and I think when they realize the school realized that gosh these people actually there's some harsh messages but they do care yeah. they care about yeah. us as people they care about our children they 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 kind of know what they're talking about mm. we think they begin to trust you don't they yeah. that you build that mm. trust i think and it's never about i think you're right and i think there were some things that we tried to transport because you always think yeah we do that mm. you do that mm. but you can't you can't you've got to you've got to realize that not everything can just be lifted it's always about mm. context and it's always about good implementation um, I was just going to yeah, say, yeah, that, yeah i think um Good school improvement it needs a, it's almost like it needs a, the soil needs to be the culture and the context. And if that's mm -hmm. not good quality, then there's no point trying to pile on all these school no. improvement mm -hmm. initiatives. And actually, as a community, as a school, we're not really understanding what, why are we here and what are we trying to do? Mm. So I think you have to, you have to kind of, we went in and we kind of tried to unpick that. 
and you almost had to build some people back up. There were some really good teachers in yeah, there. Yeah, brilliant, there brilliant some brilliant people. teachers in the school, yeah. but they didn't even... They didn't recognise that within mm. themselves because the culture mm. and the, the school as a community just felt so dragged down. So it's almost like you have to kind of, you, you've got to kind of fertilise that soil again mm. and get everybody to really, let's, what, what are we about? What are we saying we're about in terms of the children, the, ch the people that were serving these, mm -hmm. these children, this community? And when you've got that kind of bed right, then you have to, and sometimes you have to pull out weeds because we know sometimes weeds can get in there. Mm. Sometimes you have to pull them out, but then that, then you can start the school improvement. But mm. if you go in and you just bombard people with all of that negativity, mm. you're never going to get anywhere. Yeah, that's interesting. Chris Dyson, who we've spoken to also, mm. he joined his school Parklands, mm. his previous school, and that was inadequate at the time. Mm. And he talks about, People from a business world or a corporate world might think, oh, you've got an inadequate school. You need to get rid of all yeah, of the teachers. Yeah, yeah. And it, he said we'd, he didn't get, I don't think there was a single member of staff who, mm. who, was, who was moved on. He said there were some brilliant teachers there. Mm. And it sounds like you had a similar experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To be fair, I don't yeah. think we, um, gosh, even site managers, mm. the school was, gosh, <laughs> even, um, but gosh, everybody kind of got on board. When, that, when they see that you're serious about the community, about, the parents realise that you mean business for the children and the staff realise that actually we can trust you to, 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 mm. do, to, do, to do the right thing, mm. then I think you, you can move people forward. You can. You are, there, can. are there quick wins? So it sounds like you spoke to parents, you spoke to the teachers yeah. that were there, the, the leadership that remained yeah. there. Uh, we 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 put in place something called Meet the Head, and we do, we actually transported we that, that back to St Matthews. Yeah. Oh, okay, um, and it, it's a kind of, and it, it was weekly that we did it there, where parents could come in and just ask us anything, and so it was challenging. They were firing, you know, really challenging things at us. Mm. But you've got to face that. You've got to be on it. You've got to be honest yeah. with parents and say, "Gosh, we don't know yet. Mm. We, we're not sure." We'll, we will get there when we need your support. We need you to back us um, because we, we, we've got, we've got, we know where we're going. We mm. know where we're, we're taking the school. Yeah. And, and gosh, you know, with all the controversy around mm. Ofsted, you can sink into those reports yeah. a lot. Mm -hmm. And often, you know, when you go to a school, whatever state that school's, and I've worked in inadequate schools. I, um, you know, had, had my daughter and the first job I went into was an inadequate school with a Senko as the Senko, where they hadn't had a Senko for two years. Mm -hmm. It was an absolute mess. But you know what? That school had heart and mm -hmm. that grit and the children were mm -hmm. tough crowd. But you know what? They wanted good teachers and they wanted people who cared. So it, it's, you, you're right. It is words on a page. And actually mm -hmm. there's there's living, breathing people living, in breathing there people. and families and communities that actually, we, we you know, if you once you get to grips with that, you can... Uh, I find that really interesting about what you said. And it sounds like there are leaders and there are head teachers who take different approaches, mm. but you decided the most important thing was the people yeah. and the people in the school and mm. the community of the school. So you spent your time talking to people because yeah. there are yeah. some leaders who might bury themselves in the data mm. and try and do it this way and that way. Mm. But And I, I know a few head teachers and there's, there's one I'm thinking about particularly, and he'll say that 
he feels like he spends his time nine till three walking around the school, mm -hmm. just checking in with this child and checking mm -hmm. in with this mm -hmm. this person, with yeah. people. Yeah. And then he thinks, oh no, now I've got all the paperwork side of it mm -hmm. to do out of school. Mm -hmm. And he thinks sometimes people look at him and think, oh, you know, why, why is he walking around all the time? Mm -hmm. But he knows that's the most important yeah, place yeah, for him to be. Yeah, and it sounds yeah. like you made a similar yeah, decision yeah, there. Yeah, definitely, that. definitely. And it's not that we didn't have to, as you said, not that we didn't have to do all of that because we did, that was, those were the days when you had Ofsted coming back to you mm. kind of every half term. Um, so we knew we had to have everything in place, but gosh, um, if that was the first place we were going to come from, we wouldn't we wouldn't have got far with the with the mm. people, um, mm. and we needed to get the people on, on board and on side. Um, yeah, I've worked in schools where we give certificates for resilience and determination and perseverance and marvelous metacognition, and the children enjoy receiving the certificate, mm. and it gives me a chance to say something lovely about the children in my class. Do they really know what metacognition is? And do they really know what I'm praising them for? I'm not always sure. And I feel like behavior, if we educate our children about behavior, sometimes they can own that a little bit more and they know when they're becoming dysregulated and they know how to regulate themselves. They know what's going on. Is, is that the approach that you take with your children? Yeah, definitely at St. Matthews, we're really, um, we're really explicit around teaching about the learning behaviours and the behaviours that we want to see, but also why we want to see those behaviours and how they're going to support you with learning. We also talk through with the children about um, how the science of learning, mm -hmm. how do you learn, how do you remember? It's okay to forget. We even show the face that children might do when they forget. <laughs> and we say that face is okay but actually what are you going to what's the behavior that you're going to do to be able to get that learning back so I think it's really important and as you said down to something as um, simple as handwriting actually when is the time when I need your best handwriting how does it support you to be able to join what's what happens when you're fluent and efficient you can free up space in your brain to be able to do the thinking rather than worrying about how am I going to get these words mm. onto the page mm. so actually linking that all together and sharing that with the children and we do think about that. We think about how do I present that to reception, but we start early. Mm -hmm. And how do I then present that? What do I say when we get to year six then? But every year they know they get that same initial message. We also support the teachers as well, because actually every teacher is different. And some, sometimes a teacher might be working on, need to work on a different learning behavior than another teacher. Mm -hmm. So we actually use our coaching system to support with that. And very early on, we're getting teachers to unpick this. This needs to be my focus for the first couple of weeks actually because mm. I want to get my children really trained on how we pass out books and how we collect them in because I know that if I can cut down on that I've got more time then to do the input on the teaching and the learning that happens or actually I want to really create a culture where we um know each other and we really really um so I'm, so I'm going to work on names I want to make sure I've got the names down pat I want to be able to greet them at the door get that really good start to the day that might be one teacher's focus but it might not be another's so we actually work with our um as coaches and coaches and really focus down on that and I think things like walkthroughs and step lab have of, of streamlined, kind of streamlined things yeah, yeah. in terms of coaching, which is a great thing, I and think. And I think it, it goes back to the idea of context and mm. what can work somewhere. So yeah. in America, there's a system yeah. around that. It's yeah. still okay to have that kind yeah, of level yeah. mm. of yeah. paperwork yeah. and that yeah. level of yeah. workload. We're in the UK, we're in a different space we're now, aren't yeah. we, yeah. in terms of mental health, well-being. Yeah. And we have to take that on board, don't we, and have to kind of... Um, keep fidelity to that instructional yes. culture and I, and I think model, that's the key thing book. yeah you've got adapt to adapt to suit yeah. the mm. school yeah mm. 
I liked a little point that that you made, Tracy, about the targets are really specific. So sometimes people's target is uh, curriculum coverage, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely huge. Whereas as yours, the, one of the coaching targets might have been how the children give out the books, mm-hmm. and yeah. they're the really key, really yeah, important yeah. parts that sometimes yeah. get overlooked. Yeah. And it's it, it reminded me, it's almost. Austin's butterfly type mm, thing yeah. where mm. the teacher just comes in and they just give a yeah, little critique, a little bit, yeah. but it makes a huge difference yeah, in that long absolutely. run. Coming back to the, the EEF, I love one of their guidance documents around implementing mm. change. Mm. And actually there's a page which I always go to and I think it's, it's it might be page 22 or 23. It's a yellow page and there's a table in there. Mm. And, and basically it's giving you a page full of ideas of how to implement change that isn't a Wednesday afternoon staff mm-hmm. meeting. And I think that's so valuable because we kind of stuck in this tradition of, oh, I want to make a change in school. Do you know what? I'll tell people on a Wednesday mm-hmm. afternoon mm-hmm. at half past four when they're tired, yeah. they're in the middle yeah. of the week, yeah. they've still got tomorrow's lessons and they've mm-hmm. got marking from tonight. You, It sounds like you do lots through coaching, but are there other ways that you implement change? I think we've, we, uh, uh, I think this is where the EEF doc- guidance reports are so powerful um, and, and one of the reasons why we wanted to become a research school um, because we were very conscious that gosh there are so many things that you do in schools that just do not work um, but there are some really best good best bets and I think good implementation for us is that best bet and I think one of the things that we, we've taken from the EEF is just do less better and I think we're very conscious that we don't change um, our, whatever we deliver on a Wednesday is not new every week. And I think I, I, I've, I've, we've certainly been in that phase mm-hmm. where reading this Wednesday, maths next Wednesday, speaking and listening the week after, mm-hmm. history the week after that, that gives nobody any time to embed anything. So I think we've been really clear with our professional development that we've got less things to work through across the year. Mm -hmm. Three things we say. Mm -hmm. Of course, we've got other things that are simmering, but we've got three things that we're working on. And then we can dedicate three staff meetings to that. We can dedicate half a term to that, Mm -hmm. depending on what we want to to move forward. And we did that with RSC, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we... um... That guidance report also says that implementation is not an event, it's a journey. Mm. And I think one of the things that you have to do is you have to action plan. You have to be really clear about actually what what is the change that we want to see? What are some of the ingredients that we need Mm. to make sure? What does success look like? What does success look like? Mm -hmm. And how are we going to, and how how long is this going to take? So actually in the first three months, I might not even touch professional development. Mm. It actually might be about me exploring and finding out, getting some key data, that data meaning in the widest sense, Mm. parents, talking Mm -hmm. questionnaires, lots of different things to really understand and unpick what the priority is. I think sometimes we're um, in schools, we're kind of, firefighting but we mm. don't really have a priority so we're kind of scattergun we use lots of things and then it doesn't kind of work mm. and actually if you really plan for it knowing that it's a journey and it's not just going to happen over time then you can really be really clear about the steps that you're going to take and the other thing that we do is that you've got to as a as a leader say I'm going to take some things away 
I've, okay. I've, some things have got to go. Yeah. Sonia finds that hard. Um, I have to be, <laughs> I have to be, <laughs> I have to re realize that she's the leader and she has the ultimate decision. Yeah. But I find that my role is then to really um, be really clear about Sonia, just hear me that this is the reason. I'm not saying to take this away because um, I don't want to do it on being lazy. Or, we don't, or it's not good. It's not good. And what you, because that's a brilliant thing. But actually, if we keep it as it is, it's not being successful anyway. So let's think about how we can um, tweak it, but keep fidelity to that thing. Yeah. Or actually, Sonia, it, it was brilliant of a time, but it's got a goal because you're saying that you want to move this forward. You're saying better. that this is something better. Can I give you a specific example? Yeah. So you do in your curriculum, you have two days pure reading for pleasure. Mm. Yeah. So I imagine something had to go. Yeah. Yeah. And you also read every day. For yep. pleasure. Yeah. So what had to go for the reading to come in? I think you have to make some decisions about your curriculum. I think you've got to be quite courageous. The primary curriculum is, is it's packed. Mm -hmm. I think when you work through your curriculum and you do your endpoints and you say that by the end of year six, your children need to know, you want your children to learn that, that and that. You can then map out the journey for your children to get there. And in mapping out the journey, you can take away that. You can take away that. You cannot teach that. And you've got you you've got you've got to be clear. Mm. You can't teach everything. Mm. We're also very very open in our school about timetables. Whenever say, yeah, whenever yeah, anybody comes example. to our school, they all say to us, "How do you fit everything in?" Yeah. And we say we we have a timetable, but. I, I never walk in a door and think, yeah. right, nine year three, nine o'clock, <laughs> they're supposed to be teaching phonics. If I walk in and they're teaching RE, I know that it's because the teacher's made a decision that she needs to pick up on RE and I'm fine with that. Mm. We're not wedded to a, to a timetable. We're wedded to the things that we know mm. as professionals, professional trust that we need to get done in that week. Mm. And if it means that I teach one less math, maths lesson, yeah, it's got to be maths. Because mm -hmm. I lead maths. Yeah. <laughs> not English. Not English. Don't you dare not teach English. No, I'm joking. <laughs> if it means you teach one less thing or you've mm. taken out three things, then mm. I trust that you knew why you did it. Trust. And you're, you're going to get it done at some point or you're not going to you're not going to do it. But the children are going to get the very best of what you are, what you are doing, and I think we we need we need to, and it's it. I suppose you know, in our context, we are on paper, an outstanding school. So maybe we do some things that, if you're in a school that's in special measures RI, you just don't feel that you can do. Mm. But I, I I do think we've got to be brave about the fact that we can't do everything. Mm -hmm. We can't do everything. We've did we made the decision based on the research around reading for pleasure, that we want our children to leave St. Matthews knowing that to be a reader is, is an identity. Hmm. It is a, a gift. It is a, something that actually empowers your learning across all areas of the curriculum. Mm. The research is clear about children who read for pleasure. And we know them, we see them in our classrooms. Children who pick up books are the ones that do well everywhere because they've mm. got the background knowledge. So actually the research is telling us that it's as important as maths. It's as important as history. It's as important as everything. Mm. So actually we've got to make time for it. But that's a decision that as a school, you you have to you have to make. You've got to make mm -hmm. your choices. So that was the choice that we made. Um, just yeah. to to 
add some color to this as well. Chris Dyson, who we spoke to, his big thing is maths and times mm, tables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he made a conscious yeah. decision. This is where I'm going to go with it. Yeah, Just like yeah. you have done with yeah, reading. Yeah. And both have been successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that really speaks to me that we need to be decisive mm. and you cannot do can't, everything. Can't, and that's a really key point. Teaching at St. Matthew sounds like a lovely place to work. <laughs> it sounds like you think about the people and their workload. Mm. And one of the first things that some people will think when they hear, oh, two days, reason for pleasure, that sounds good, no marking. I, I like the sound of that. What is teacher workload like at St. Matthew's and what do you do to enable teachers to have this to have a work-life balance none of our teachers take books home because we know how demoralizing that is is to put that box in your boot drive all the way home not take it out <laughs> and then bring it back to school the following day and we're really clear we talk about the things actually there's things that you can do in school and there's things that you need to take take home you might have to take home marking is not one of them so as part of the rigor and management when we're coaching one of the things that we will work with teachers on is pen in hand how do you actually move around the classroom yeah. really swiftly and, and be able to have those brilliant feedback conversations at the same time? Mm. But actually check on, mm. check on that work and just mark that. It's like it's sorted. So we've really... Uh, um, and I do think, uh, you know, we, we, ha we have made the point that it, it's not no marking. Mm. It's, it's, it's less marking, more looking and mm. more responding to what you see. Um, and making sure that, because we do lots of guided work in our school. We've got tables where the children, we have groups of children come and work with the teacher. And that is where, where, where we where we do where we come across misconceptions. Um, Modeling is really important. It is about those pedagogies of teaching, mm. things like Rose and Shine or whatever else you um, within your school have um, see as your pedagogies. It's about ensuring that teachers understand those pedagogies and really use them really well mm. to enable you then mm. to know when. Things are not working in your class and then you can address that. Marking doesn't help you to address that. Mm. Looking helps you to, to address that. <laughs> Reading, Reading children's, children's work, work helps you to address that. Yeah. Talking to children helps you to address that. Not marking and having five lines on there that children yeah. never read. Three stars and a wish. Yeah. And from an Ofsted yeah. point of view, mm. as long as we're adhering to the policy yeah. that we've set yeah. in school, yeah. then yeah. Ofsted are comfortable yeah. with that. Yeah. So yeah. your marking policy sa says pen in hand, we don't say things, there's not a, like a, a deep expectation of a deep mark every two days no, or something no. like that. And people come in and they say to us, we, we can't really see much in the books, marking, what 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 do you do, why? And we we tell them that what the evidence, because again, the EEF have a great document about feedback um, and, and we're very conscious of of. of of, of enabling teachers to understand the research. What is the research telling us about good feedback? What mm. does it? What does that look like? Um, what are the opportunities then that that provides for children? Will you tell us a little bit about what your pupil progress meetings do or don't look like? Mm. So, from a traditional point of view, we maybe had the teacher does lots of marking, and then they write down lots of data, and the children mm. do tests, and then we no, come and we yeah. <laughs> and we talk mm. about. Oh, this child's dropped a little bit here on this yeah. matrices, and yeah. this child needs to be here. Yeah, and we've been, we've been there. We've been, we've been there. in that space. Yeah. We've moved far away from yeah. that. We just call them classroom catch-ups. Mm. Okay. It's literally an opportunity for the teacher. We we see that. I, I I deal with data, and it's my job to do the number crunching and all of that kind of stuff. A teacher doesn't need to. What they need, they need to be able to really understand where the children are at and what the next steps are. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of conversations that we have. We literally pull them together. We come together. And we actually have, we just have a discussion around the children. 
any next steps and then we talk about actually how can we then support you to move that forward and if we've got any tips or anything that we've used we talk about that or then we say let's have a look at how we can move that forward and what we try to do is be really um really listen into the conversations because sometimes there's some like key threads mm. that are actually not just about one teacher it's mm. a whole school thing I think we've seen that in mm. our school mm. we've seen children flourish um, and it links really well with our kind of church ethos around flourishing because that is the kind of Church of England word um, and I think it's really it, 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 when I read Ron, Ron Berger's original book years and years ago um, it's it's that empowerment that strikes you about mm. the book, gosh, because he was working in, you know, challenging circumstances, but it was that you can do it, you can do it, you can do it mentality that I think is really, really important for teachers to have. Yeah. So rather than the critique is the empowerment. Mm. I can improve. I can be yeah, better. Yeah. Mm. That, that strikes me for your children, but also across your staff as well. Yeah, like your staff yeah. seem to have that. Yeah. I, I'm good and yeah. I can be yeah. better. Yeah, no, yeah. Definitely. I loved, as I said, I loved your, your chapter, Tracy. And it made me think about teaching year five. Uh, and we were looking at Harry Potter and we would read through uh, there's a, a section in it where Harry's approaching Hogwarts and I'm reading it to the children. We're all engaged in it and we're, we're almost in Harry's shoes. And I'll say to the, the children, and what do you think Harry was feeling at this point? What could he see? Oh, I can see Hogwarts in the distance. And next to him is, is Hagrid and they're in the boat. And how would you feel if you were in that boat? And, and um, then they're inputting those emotions, those feelings into their writing mm -hmm. and they produce some fantastic work mm -hmm. and all the children produce fantastic work. And I remember doing little little things like we write with felt it pens on A3 paper because mm. presentation wasn't important at that point. It was the ideas and getting mm. us down. Mm. And then my English lesson finishes and my math lesson starts and I'm teaching a, a problem, a word problem. And I model it to the children and then we solve it together and I show them in a, in a perfect way how you would solve that problem. Mm. I, d I don't share it with them. I mm. don't talk them through I don't make mistakes mm. I don't get stuck and have to start again so it, it struck me about your chapter about modeling and going on that journey with the children we do it in English quite yeah, well yeah, I think yeah yeah so how would you advise teachers to spread that into other subjects um I think you what you're trying to do I think as Ron Berger says is it's about um getting the children to see you as an as a bit of an expert in that in that part of that piece of learning mm -hmm. and he talks about um he was a carpenter and he watched an expert carpenter and he learned from that mm -hmm. and I think as when you're when you work alongside someone they talk it through don't they what's happening the thoughts that are happening in your head the the things that you're having to think of the things that you're having to refer to and I think as part of all of the curriculum, there are opportunities when actually I've taught you some new learning or some a new piece of knowledge. And now I want to apply it. Watch, listen to me as the expert kind of think aloud as to what's happening in my head. Mm -hmm. When I see that problem, what are some of the things that I could do? I could solve it like this, but maybe it's not efficient. I could solve it like this. And actually this is a quicker way. Um, and actually it gets me to the answer faster. So how do we model all of that? process is actually the children see that there's a variety of ways to answer this problem mm. how do we sometimes start with the answer 
and sometimes take away that feeling that actually, I know particularly for math, everything always has to be about being right. The science of learning says for children to understand things, it's about schema. Mm. And if mm. we don't model the connection, so for instance, if I'm doing 345 add, add 20, I've got to say, actually, I'm thinking about place value. I know I'm adding a number with tens. So actually I can do this in my head rather than Whereas some children will do a written calculation. I might not need a written calculation because actually I can look at the tens. There's five tens there. I can just add on two more. And now I know that the answer is mm. da, da, da. It's about that process. So specifically yeah. in the class then, you will give, the, the children will look at a problem or a question and there'll be time given to discuss almost like, what do I already know? Mm. Yeah, mm. definitely. Right. Rather than I'm not interested in the answer yeah, yet, yeah. just what do I it? know? And part of the process is the teacher expertly modeling mm. that first. Yeah. So that's why we do that idea of the gradual release. We'll do my turn where I'm modeling that. Then let's do one together. Mm -hmm. Our turn, let's have a go. At, and then now, once you feel they're confident, you actually release the baton to them and you say, now it's your turn. Mm. You have a go at a similar problem, but they've seen you go through that process, make the links. Because again, sometimes if we're modeling and we're putting up things in the classroom and um, they can just become wallpaper, but they need to mm. see you. Actually, I'm, 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 I'm at this point in the writing and I want the reader to feel this. Mm. I'm going to use a noun phrase because I want to get across exactly what that thing looks like, mm. or I want that thing to come alive. So now let's look at our personification toolkit. I'm mm. going to use that now because at this moment, I want the, the reader to see this thing mm. become something else. If we don't explicitly model that, they won't see that the tools that they have around mm. them, how do I use these tools? How do I use this knowledge and how do I make those connections? You know, you, you're talking about um, the children and not underestimating them. And I think there's some children, um, they might not have the most perfect handwriting or they might not be able to do the presentation perfect, but they really know what you, they've really taken on board what mm -hmm. you've, you've taught them. So again, another key pedagogy that you really, we really need to focus on is that idea of scaffolding. Mm -hmm. How do we support those children as scaffold the way that they capture their learning so that actually we can really grasp what they are taking mm -hmm. on and they can feel a sense of, yeah, I get this yeah. and, and I, I can I Achieve, yeah. I can achieve and I can show and, that. And it is, it yeah. is just rethinking what that journey looks like for all children. All children. Because there are there yeah. are children, there's some high need send mm. pupils that we've got who won't get to greater depth. Mm. They won't. Mm. But that's fine. That's good. Mm. It's about what we offer to them within yeah. our space. And we know we're on a journey with that. We've got some children who I've, I've worked in special schools who would would have been in special schools, but the system that we've got means that more mainstream schools are having to take it on board. We're not, we're not necessarily confident about it, but we want them to have the best mm. that we can give. Mm. And we, we want to get better in that space. And we know that for those children, the journey looks different, different. and that's okay. Mm. So if you're measuring a school on the, on your, on the outcomes that every child has to get to expected, some schools who are inclusive, who do want to embrace all children at all levels, they get scared about that mm. because you're taking in children who will who diminish that group, that data a little bit more, a little bit more. Mm. And then when off they come in and say, oh, but you're not all children, they, mm. they, they can't. They can't. Mm. They can't. Mm. With the but they can they can make great progress within within their oh. 
mm. ability and they can flourish and they can thrive. And it can be amazing to mm. watch the changes for those children um, within their within their learning capacity. It always it's used amazing. to make me smile at pupil progress meetings with my data, yeah. especially in key stage one. And uh, it's would like, say, oh, there's a difference here with your boys and your girls. Mm. We need to close that gap. I used to think, why? Yeah. My girls are more mature at this age. Mm. They're understanding more. They're able to do this, they're able to do that. And my boys, are, they'll catch up later. Yeah. But that there. shouldn't be my target is mm. to try and squash this natural gap. It just it, doesn't make no, sense. No. So we've just got to think about that. From a scaffolding point of view, is that one of your forms of differentiation then? We're teaching all of our children together. We're all looking at a similar... Mm a similar thing, a similar uh, concept, but I'm going to scaffold it for you and you. And, and is that where you're encouraging your teachers to spend their planning time thinking about this child? They'll just yeah. need this model or they'll just need this word bank or they'll just need... So one, one of the things that we do, and it's come through leverage leadership, is we think about the productive struggle. And we call this, what is that What is that part of this? You, you know, you might be doing a, a unit on, on fractions, for instance. What is, what is the part of that learning across that three or four weeks that's going to be the really toughest bit to teach? Mm. And actually, what would that look like for all of the children to get that? What are you looking for as the teacher? So you're really clear. And then what we kind of do, what we do is then map out some of the scaffolds that we're going to put in place. So what are the resources? What are the manipulatives? What are the um, the models, the exemplars that we might, the examples that, um, that we might have to use to really support our class or support some of the children who are going to really struggle with that? How are we going to model it? What, how are we going to explain it? And we kind of really, that's probably, probably the only piece of written um, written planning that we do mm. is we unpick that that productive struggle and I think it is it is about having some clear ways again teacher workload what are some clear strategies and again we've thought about this you know let's talk about the send five a day and one of that five a day is scaffolding mm. and actually scaffolding works for all children mm -hmm. so we've unpicked that and really thought about what are some of the and we've talked about it as a staff you know that that um Teachers are doing something really great in their classroom. Show us that. What what do you do? What, what do you do? Yeah, and that's what we do. So even we we do like little assessments after our PSHE. And one of the teachers started to adapt that to support her send people because he knew everything, but it was about him being able to get how does he get that down? The first thing I did is just everybody have a look at this. This is one mm, way that we mm. can adapt, we can scaffold this, and he can show he's what he's what he's learning. So it's about just having some key tools. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you need a tool belt, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. You've got your tool belt, you need your tool yeah, yeah, belt. Yeah, yeah. I've got these good strategies that really support me to be able to see what all of my pupils can do and not just make assumptions that they send, they can't do it, they don't mm. understand it. And I think I think when you're in a school in a space where as teachers, you can have that those discussions. Mm. You can talk about where you struggle. I mean, we've been in some PDs where, gosh, you come out and you, you people, oof, God, they, they, that was great. That was a great session. Mm. We've discussed, we've wrestled. We've been in phonics sessions where, gosh, we've had to wrestle with the <laughs> phonics. Um, and we've come, you know, teachers have come out and said, yeah. I can yeah. do that. Mm -hmm. I was got them. We're talking about TAs because our TAs come to our training. So they've like, and they've given it full commitment in that PD to really understand. And I think you've got, you, you've got, it's about cultivating that kind of space within your school where staff are not worried about not understanding how to do something. Mm -hmm. They're not scared to ask. We always say, just ask us, us. We don't, there's no judgment. Just ask. Mm -hmm. We're happy to answer it. 
it's really important that you mm. ask. Yeah. Final question. You've spoken about not having to work harder or longer mm. to do better. Mm. Can you give us an example or a couple of examples that teachers can pick up and take back to their school mm. tomorrow to improve the experience of the children in their care? Mm. Mm. Feel free to have some thinking time. Yeah. Read it. Read them a good book. I I, I would I, I would encourage teachers to be teachers who read mm. and readers who teach because you know you know knowing good books have just got that power. It has to come back to books for me, I suppose. Books books what, just have that power. What do you read? Everything. Gosh, I'm fiction, I'm a, non-fiction, fiction, non-fiction. I do it. I read everything. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I am that person who reads for pleasure and progress. Um, and I'm always sending out things to staff. You know, probably inappropriately. I'm sure people <laughs> say, "Don't on your sense of free again." Um, but I am that person who likes to absorb. Um, and because I do judge for Empathy Lab and I judge for UKLA Book Awards. Got that if you come into my room, there's more books than any than space mm -hmm. to, sit down. to sit down. Um, I did a competition online and I've I just won a box of about 50, 50 like. 30 books, <laughs> 30 to 40, and yeah. there's just more books to read. Um, and I just think just just love love books. If you don't love books, pretend to love books and empower <laughs> your children to read with agency, um, because reading is the thing it's social justice to me social justice in the same way that we are accountable for teaching maths we've got to be accountable for empowering our children to be readers yeah do you get lost in a book all the time all the time yeah a, li a little birdie told me that you sometimes know the ending I read the end. I read, I deliberately read the end of books. I can't first. wait. I read that first. I can't wait. I, I, I refuse <laughs> to be held in suspense. I want to know. And then I love then to build towards what I already know is going to happen. <laughs> and I do that with TV. I can't watch a programme if I haven't read the little synopsis about what it's about. I, I can't wait. I need to know. Yeah, that, that is just me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you both. I really love the conversation. And um, yeah, I know people at home are going to love it too. So thank you, thank thank you. you very much. Do you use a research-based approach? And what happens at your staff meetings? Let us know by emailing podcast at whiterosemaths.com or on any of our social media channels. We read and reply to each one and would love to draw upon your thoughts in future episodes.